Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week as ever, we have Paul Whiteside from The Devil in the Detail. How's your week been, Paul? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Rob. Very good. Uh, just enjoying the sunshine, really, mate. It's been, it's been good. It's been sort of summer-esque recently, hasn't it? I've had some, some nice weather and that. And uh, yeah, it seemed, all things seem good. Plenty of sport to talk about as well with the rugby league. Salford getting the first win, which was uh, quite a strange game on Friday night. But yeah, I'm all good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, lots and lots to talk about on the Sports Zone today. And what we're going to do, we're going to start off with Rugby League, Paul, and Salford Red Devils. They were victorious, 34 points to 8 against Lee this week at the AJ Bell Stadium. It was a scrappy game for me, but Salford took the points. They did, yeah. It's probably one of the strangest games I've been to in a long time, really. I thought both sides for me come into the game desperate for a win. And I thought you saw that in the first half. You saw two teams that were, were so nervous, they didn't want to make a mistake. But I think that made them make even more mistakes. So they, were, they were just trying to nullify each other. And obviously, Lee got an early score, a deserved score as well, I thought. And they were playing some good rugby down their left edge. You know, Ian Thornley got a try down there. They looked dangerous on, on that side. And um, yeah, they were leading by eight points to six at, at half-time. Salford replied with a, with a try from uh, Kevin Brown. But yeah, Lee fully deserved to, to be in front of the halfway stage. And, you know, in the second half, Salford got back, hit back and scored. And at 12 points to eight, the game was really, really in the balance. Um, Lee came looking for blood, I thought. They sniffed a chance, chanced their arm. And luckily for Salford, Chris Nini with a piece of brilliance, if, you, if you've watched it, the way he juggles that ball and knocks it to Kensio. Kensio charges away, gets the try. And that, for me, puts the tin out on the game. It... It gave Salford that leg up and that, that extra bit of space that they needed, a bit of breathing space. And from then on in, Lee's, Lee sort of heads dropped, really, and Salford scored three tries in the last 10 minutes and and, and really uh, put like a, a lopsided score on, really, in a game that was probably a lot closer than the scoreline suggests. But So it wasn't the, the, the prettiest game at all. And I spoke to a few people on Friday night who said it was more... Like uh, they used to call them video nasties in the eighties, didn't they? Put should be kept in like a black a black box and, and sealed up forever. I think that first half anyway, because it wasn't a spectacle. But you know, a win's a win, and we played some decent stuff in that last ten minutes. When they got the confidence up there, you could see the the players lift. There were smiles on the faces, and they started to move the ball, and the shackles came off a little bit. So sometimes that's all it takes. Or so the big test now is going to be going to be next week so they, they can back up from that. But it was good to get the monkey off the back, and, and good to get a first win of the season. Yeah, second half for me, they were better. It was good that they nilled Lee in that second half. It shows that Richard Marshall uh, training the defence is, is good. I thought the players were, were dominant. They grew into that second half. Like you said, there was a bit of a period in that second period where it could have gone either way. And, and that try, that 100-metre try from Ken Seo, certainly made the difference to Salford confidence you could see grow throughout the side I thought Kevin Brown was inspirational as well his two mm-hmm. tries were well taken and he moved the team round also Harvey Levert I thought was super he's been fantastic since he signed for Salford and this kid I think has got big, uh, big future in front of him yeah well you could see Harvey Levert's confidence grow in the, the last stages of the game, he was having an awful lot of success down that, that left side. There were a lot of Salford's tries coming. In fact, I think the last three tries all came down that left side. Going back to Kevin Brown, I thought he was the best player on the pitch on, on Friday night. I, th- I thought he had a real good game for the whole 80 minutes. I mean, we've not seen an 80-minute performance yet from Salford, but for, for Kevin Brown, I thought he was good from minute one. In the first half, he tested Lee an awful lot with some really good kicking. Caught Lee out a few times. I think Matty Russell 
on that edge there. He, he misjudged a few of his kicks, his high kicks, spiralling kicks that are always difficult to deal with. And, you know, his kicking game was really good. And, and he did, like you said, got Salford around the pitch, chipped him with a couple of tries, created a few tries as well. So you, you couldn't really argue with Kevin Brown's performance. I, I thought he was good. thought he was really good there. And uh, Chris Nenu, he's had a bit of an in-and-out start to the season. He's been in and out of the team. He's been dropped. He's come back in. But that that piece of play there for for uh, for Ken Seal to score, that, that takes take some doing that and, and we know Chris Nenu's got that in his locker he's got that magic sometimes that he can produce sometimes he can be criticised being a bit laid back and that but I think that laid backness adds to his genius sometimes he can do some fantastic things and perhaps we need that sort of player on our side he's a talisman he's a good goal kicker as well so let's hope he can he can nail down a, a, a starting place now in the team yeah, Salford were a bit busted though. They had to bring in few squad players. Greg Burke came in. Elliot Kay played at fullback. I thought Elliot Kay was fantastic in the game. Obviously, a few weaving runs and important moments of the game as well, Paul, because there were certain points where Lee were on top and, and they needed that moment for the players to, to, to you know to relieve the pressure. And I thought he did that very well. Yeah, he did. He did. I think for me, I'm always impressed with Elliot Kay, particularly when he plays at fullback. One criticism I've probably got of him, and other supporters have said it, he's not the biggest of blokes. He can get sort of knocked off the ball sometimes. He got caught in the first half, I think, for it for a dropout. He's not like massive, but you know what he what he's not got in size. He he sort of gives in in enthusiasm and, and, and skill. Really, he's a he's a super player, um, and and he's a good squad player to have. And you know he he always impresses me, as I said. And it's probably hard to, to drop him from the side now for next week. He he deserved his place. You know he took the place of Morgan Escaray there and didn't didn't really put a foot wrong all night. Made a super break in that that second half, and I think you know. With a bit more confidence behind him in a few weeks, he probably would have scored from that there. He probably would have kept going, pinned his ears back and gone. So, no, an impressive display from, from Elliot Keir. Yeah, takes the pressure off Richard Marshall's men this win this week. Paul, obviously we'll be looking at building on this. We've got Castleford next week at home. Opportunity to get a bit of momentum. Um, I spoke to Richard Marshall uh, after the game and this is what he had to say. All right, Rick, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. Congratulations on your first Super League win as Salford head coach. How does it feel? And talk us through it. Yeah, it's it's uh, we feel good. We feel quite happy about the way we've played. We, we we know we have to play better. We're going to have to play better over the over the next few weeks. We've got some tough games coming up. Um, it was an important game for both clubs uh, this evening, even if it is so early on in the season, uh, and we managed to come through, um, albeit. We, we weren't 100% there, uh, far from it. So we'll improve from that. But yeah, uh, we sang the song and, and we're really happy. We, we, we're pleased. I think we can look each other in the eye and go, and go you know what, we had, a, we had a dig there. Yeah, Kevin Brown was inspirational. Two tries from him. Do you think he was a difference today? I'm really happy for Kev, yeah. He's had a tough week. Um, so I was re- really happy for Kev. I thought he really stood up along with our other senior players in the team. And, 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 and you know, you learn a lot about yourself when, when you lose a few games and, and, and these experienced players that we've got here, we're very fortunate to have. They've been around the block, they know the game, they know it inside out and they didn't panic. Um, I mean, we had some good meetings this week and we knew exactly what we needed to do. Kev was instrumental in our in our gameplay today and uh, hats off to Kev. I thought, yeah, coming through a tough week, uh, it, it, it was a really, uh, you know, a senior leader within that performance. Yeah, Elliot Kerr at fullback and Chris Sacking at hooker when he came on came on gave us that spark we needed. 
Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, they did. Uh, Elliot was, he's very hard to handle and hard to manage, Elliot. He's good. He's a good player. Again, he's been around the block. He knows the game. Chris Atkin had a, a, had a little bit of a stint against Widnes a few weeks ago. We thought it was probably time he had a look at uh, a look at a bench spot. Obviously, Andy Acker's got a ban, so there was a spot available and I thought he filled a real good uh, gap for us there. He was really lively in and around the rook and he's got a bit of a kicking game and he knows the game. He's been around the block. He knows he's a good player, Chris. Yeah, lots of errors, but fitness and defence was a big positive. Does it build confidence that you've nilled them in the second half? Yeah, I'd like to have nilled them all overall, if I'm being honest, but we can't have everything. Um, our fitness, yeah, we look we look like we're getting some players up to match speed. Lee Moss, uh, our captain, played big minutes and we needed him too. And I thought he led us really well. Uh, Christian, who came back into the team, all the boys who come who came into the team, I thought contributed really well. You mentioned a couple, Ollie Roberts, James Greenwood, Greg Burke, who's not played all year. So... I thought we got a real good response uh, from the players who've been sat on the sidelines over the last few weeks and they thought, you know what, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and uh, see what we can do here. And I thought they did a real good job. Yeah, attacking-wise, we opened up in the last 15 minutes. You must be pleased with that. Yeah, our attack clicked a little bit. Uh, and that We spoke about that at half-time, just changed a little bit of a couple of uh, our points and, and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to manipulate Lee. We did think that we'd get through that, that, that tough period. We did. Uh, there was a moment there, a critical moment where it was an us all them moment, and, and Chris um, Kenny Kenny Seal went full length off the back of some wonderful skill, um, something that we can we can yeah we can breed off the back of that and and, and get some energy. Uh, and I thought we did off off them key moments in the game. Yeah, Castleford next week, opportunity to build some momentum. Yeah, it will be. It'll be a tough game. Uh, they're, you know, they're a good team, old classy cast. So we'll have to be at our best. Our defence will have to improve. Our ball control will have to improve. And um, But I think there is a lot more improvement in this squad. And we've given ourselves a chance. Um, and that's what that we'll be going to compete again next week. Cheers, Rick. Good luck. Thank you. So that was Richard Marshall talking to himself after the game, Paul. And he was happy with, with the performance against Lee and was looking forward to the cast game. Yeah, it, I think he'll, 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 he'll be happy with the result. I don't think he'd have been happy with the, the, the first half display and, and some of the stuff we did wrong in the game. There's an awful lot of mistakes again. Um, a lot of mistakes on the first tackle as well. I think there was, there was two sets of six or maybe three sets of six in that second half consecutive where we knocked on in the first tackle. And you can't afford to do that. You know, Lee Centurions are struggling at the moment, aren't they? And look a bit out of their depth in Super League. And um, whether Castleford are going to, I think Castleford will be a different kettle of fish. We can't afford to make that, them sort of mistakes against Cast. We can't afford to be ill-disciplined against Castleford. They've got players, Paul McShane, who can boss the show, Jake Truman. They've got a terrific pack as well, big forwards there. Got some good outside backs. You know, they're all Furts out there, scored two tries at the weekend. Nile Levels will be coming back to play against us. They've got a good side, Castleford. When they get things right, they can they can punish you. So, Richard Marshall will know his team is going to have to be a lot, lot better when they when they play. No disrespect to Lee, but are going to have to be a lot, lot better. It's going to be a big step up against Castleford this coming week. Yeah, he, he was happy that he nilled Lee in the second half, but he wants perfection from his team. He wanted the, the nil throughout the throughout the game. And it's I think it's baby steps for Salford at the moment, Paul. We've had a tough three games to start with, and this win has, has, will take the shackles off this team. Richard Marshall, there has been pressure coming onto him from the outside, from internet and, and fans forums, questioning him. But this win will go a long way uh, to justify his spot. Yeah, I think he's got... 
a big a big run of games now. You've got two games against Castleford next couple of weeks. You play them in the league on on Friday night coming, and then the following Saturday with the BBC Television game out. We in the Challenge Cup quarterfinals. After that, we've got some some big sides in the league as well. Wigan, Warrington, St. Helens coming up. So the next month or so, or so is going to be um, is going to be a tough test for us to see where we're at. Uh, the cast test on Friday night coming is a big game really is a big game it's a pressure game as well so uh, so yeah there'll, there'll always be people outside influences on, on social media and fans forums and in the press and, and things like that there'll always be people questioning coaches you know that's the, the, the world we live in but Richard Marshall needed that result you know that's your, your first win you're only as good as your last game. We say that all the time on the podcast. It's a bit of a cliche, but you are. So you've got to move on now. You can only beat the side in front of you. But Salford did do that. All right, it wasn't convincing, but you move on to Cast now. And that confidence that you've gained from that to that Lee Centurion's game, you're going to take that into the Castleford game and, and start building. You know, you, you've got, you, you can build from the bottom. You don't build from the top. So you build from the bottom upwards. And that's what we've got to do now. We've got to approach that Castleford game in a positive mindset and, uh, and test ourselves in that game. We're at home again. Which is which is a good thing. Uh, we've we've played two at home now and, and got two good results. So uh, we we just need to make sure we perform for the eighty minutes. You know we we've got to be cohesive when we've got the ball. We we need a bit of a game plan as well. I think for large periods in that first half against Lee, I thought a lot of our stuff was off the cuff, and we need to make sure we we play to a bit more of a structure. I think. Obviously, Castleford this week, Paul. We've got Castleford in the next couple of weeks in the Challenge Cup. Does this game affect the one that's coming up? Obviously, the winner winner of this one. Will they look at the Challenge Cup as giving them an advantage? We had a similar scenario last season didn't we, against Warrington where we played Warrington on, I think it was a midweek game, and then we played him in the Challenge Cup, didn't we? And many people said, oh, I can't see Salford winning either. We went and won them both, didn't we? Got to, uh, got to got to Wembley in the in the Cup semi and, uh, and and beat them in the league. So, yeah, I think they're going to be two tough games, aren't they? You know you know what you're going to get with Castleford. They're, they're, they're a good side. They won the first three matches, didn't they? And, Won three really good games and they pushed Wigan all the way in a, in a, in a terrific game last last Friday at, uh, at Wigan Stadium. So the three wins and a, and, a, and a close defeat. They're quite a consistent team, aren't they? And if you go over this last sort of decade or so, Daryl Powell's done a terrific job there. They've they've always been there or thereabouts in in the league table. You've know, been to a grand final, been to a cup final. They've won the league leaders' shield. Paul McShane got the Man of Steel last season. So they've they've got a good side there. They're a good solid team, aren't they? They're, they're no pushovers. So uh, so it's going to be a stern test in, in both games. Yep, let's talk Swinton Lions now. They played York City at this weekend and lost 64 points to 16. York had a big spenders in that division. Swinton Lions were beaten badly, but you've got to take what you see in front of you and York had a very good team. Yes, they are. I think no, no matter how good York are, I think that'll be a disappointment for, for Stuart Little. 64 points to 16 is, is disappointing. They got a couple of late tries to Winton, I believe, in that game, but as you said, you know, York are going to be up there. I think they're going to be challenging. They were disappointed last week. I think they were beaten by Sheffield Eagles. But you look at their side, Ben Jones-Bishop in there, former Salford player, Kieran Dixon, Ryan Atkins, Matthew Marsh, the, the halfbacks, um, a, a good player as well. They've got Danny Kerman. Look at their side today, Cuthbertson, Chris Clarkson. They're all guys with Super League experience, aren't they? So there's some big names in that team and you would expect them to be to be up there challenging with the likes of Featherstone Rovers and, and Toulouse. So... Yeah, sixty odd points at all. Though it is is disappointing, and, and Stuart Little will uh, will be saying that to his players. They've 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 got to bounce back from that now. You know, it's a it's a big defeat that, and, a, and sort of a demoralising one as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Swinton react next week. Yeah, big defeat for Swinton, but Mike Butt, Lewis Roberts, and Lewis Brogan got over for the Lions. Shows have got plenty of attacking possibilities in that squad, uh, Paul. 
Stuart Little will be disappointed with the defensive side of it, conceding 64, but to score three tries is a positive. Uh, yeah, they got two late tries, didn't they? But I think Stuart Little will be looking at the, the 64 points conceded. I don't think he'll probably be paying much attention to the 16 he scored. You've got to put your defence right first if you're going to win matches. But no, I don't think they'll be too despondent. York are, are a good side. I think if you lose back to any team by 60 or at home, you're going to be disappointed, aren't you? And it's, it's how they react from that now. That game's gone. There's no point in dwelling on that now. They've got to look for, for, towards the future. They've got to take positives from it if they can. Um, they're going to have to work on things, you know, things on the defence and, and, and things like that. So they, it's about how they react next week now. It's a, it's a long season, isn't it? And that championship, as we've said before, is, is tough. Just mentioned a few of the teams there, Featherstone, Toulouse, York, Halifax, London Broncos. You, you've got some good sides in there and it's going to be tough week in, week out. It's going to be an exciting league as well. I'm not so sure who, who I fancy to, to go on and win that. I mean, there's there's plenty of ambition in that league, but, but Swindon have just got to get back to the drawing board now and uh, hopefully get back on the horse next week. Yeah, talking about Swinton Lions, their latest side played their first game this week against Elland. They went down 24 points to 22, Paul, after a great start. Part of the Swinton team, um, ex-Swinton player Simon Ashcroft, his daughter Evie played for the, for the, Lion, for the Lionesses. Sorry, uh, Fantastic that Rugby League that, you know, in, 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 has in, embraced the women's game and that Swinton, Lions, Swinton Lions have a have a women's team to, to play and to watch yeah I've been reading about that today and I've seen some snippets of it on, on social media and I believe they play in, in the town of Swinton as well which is which is really really good and uh, no I think a lot a lot of sides are looking at that now I'd love to see Salford um, get a ladies team I think it would be tremendous that I think you know every every side now hopefully can can look that way and Swinton are um, you know you're pioneering that along with a lot of other clubs as well so I think it's it's great for your community it's great for your club as well and uh, you know, people can get to, to watch some, some rugby league locally as well. So, uh, unlucky today. It sounded a fantastic game. That 24 points to 22, real uh, real humdinger. And let's hope they can uh, get a result uh, maybe next week. So, Swinton Lions uh, face Widnes Vikings this week. Paul, will be a difficult task for Stuart Little's men. It will, yeah. It's another tough game, that. But Widnes have not had the best start of the season. They were beaten at the weekend 48 points to 16 away at Batley. So, and obviously we saw them in the Challenge Cup at Salford as well so their, their defence is a bit leaky so Swint will be fancying the chances in that one Yep, so that's all the Rugby League chat we've got James Sweetener from the Sweetener, Sweetener Salsa podcast on the Sports so sport Zone tonight James, looking forward to talk, th- talking all things sport in Salford Absolutely I am Rob and we're going to talk all about boxing aren't we and there were some fantastic fights over the course of last week including Paul Gallen versus Lucas Brown Denzel Bentley versus Felix Cash and we're going to get on to them. But first things first, I want to preview a fantastic weekend of boxing, which will be headlined by Derek Chisora versus Joseph Parker. It's a mammoth clash in the heavyweight division. The Brit versus the New Zealander. Last chance alone, potentially, for either of these men if they want another world title shot. Can you give us a breakdown here, Paul? Yeah, certainly. I think you've uh, I think you've nailed it there. Where you said last chance saloon. It does feel a bit that way, doesn't it? I mean, Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker have been in some big fights, haven't they, over the last few years? And, and uh, I wouldn't say disappointed, but they've not come up. They've not always come up with the results that they've they've deserved or the results that they've wanted. So this one now, it does feel a bit like that. They're both still in the the top echelons of the uh, of the heavyweight division, aren't they? And, and two people's names that always get mentioned. So I think for the winner of this, I wouldn't say the loser was. Was down and out, but I think for the winner of this, it's um, you know a path towards towards glory again, and definitely a path towards a world title fight. 
How do we think Joseph Parker's going to look? As of late, he's looked a bit lethargic in some of his performances, but he's teamed up with Andy Lee now. Do you think he's going to be rejuvenated with a new coach? I think so, yeah. I think he's going to need to be. I mean, you can't go in with the uh, with Derek Chisora half-baked, not at all, because uh, you know, you'll know you get found out and you'll get punished in other way he hits. And uh, there's no way Derek Chisora will be like that. He's always prepared. He's always willing to do 12 rounds and, and go in the trenches for 12 rounds as well. So if, uh, if Joseph Parker's not switched on for this, he's, he's a bit of a fool. And I, I'm, I'm sure he will be. You know, He's another guy that's, um, that, that's probably not fulfilled his... His early potential, really, for me, he was he was a really really talked about a couple of years ago, and a couple of defeats and a few setbacks. You know, the Joshua defeat and the Dylan White defeat. I've I've set him back a bit. So, but he's come back since then and had some um, good results on his uh, on his card. Obviously, nothing of, of Derek Chisora's standards for me. So, this would be a big result if uh, if he was to pull this one off. A lot of people are billing this one as a 50-50, Paul. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who do you think wins? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a 50-50. I'd say Derek Chisora is a, a, a big favourite for this one, really. I think he's, he's the man to, to, to beat out of these two. I know he, he was beaten last time out against Alexander Usyk, but he's been in some tremendous fights recently. And uh, this one's going to be a big one for, for both fighters. But I'd have Derek Chisora down as favourite. I know he's probably lost a, quite a few more fights than Joseph Parker, but I'd say Chisora was, was the favourite for this one. Do you think Chisora has it in him to break Joseph Parker? In the past, I'm not going to say he's a quitter by any means because Joseph Parker, you know, has got up off shots of the likes of the left hook by Dillian White. But sometimes he's not quite pushed himself to the next level against Anthony Joshua and the body snatcher. Chisora sets a relentless pace. Can Joseph Parker cope with that? I think he can. I, th- I think if Joseph Parker approaches this fight and we see the best of Joseph Parker, there's no doubt about it, he can win this fight. He's a very, very talented fighter. Um, when you think about the, the talents of the two men, without being disrespectful to Chisora, you probably say Parker's a, a more naturally gifted boxer, but you know what you're going to get with Chisora. Like I said before, he, he's, he's prepared to go the 12 rounds and he'll, he'll do anything. And I mean, he's, he's come up a bit short a few times in his career, but he's come up short against against you know class world class fighters, and you know he's never really let anybody down. He's he's always there, ready to go the twelve rounds to put his body on the line, and that's what you'll get from him again. He's got tremendous power, Chisora, and and if he wants to, he'll fight you on a on a cigarette paper. He'll stand in front of you and, and won't move. We've seen that before when he's fought Dylan White, some fantastic fights. So if you want to go to war with him, he'll go to war with you. So. Joseph Parker's going to have to be prepared here to, to take some shots. And if he wants to win this this fight, he's going to have to put blood and thunder into it because he isn't going to be able to go in there with Chisora and, and just go half-hearted and, and, and outskill him because he won't. Chisora won't let him. We have well and truly sold that one to us, Paul. And in addition, there's another cracking fight on the bill. Maybe the biggest in women's boxing at the moment. Casey Taylor takes on Tasha Jones, a rematch of their clash in the Olympics many years ago. Can Tasha Jonas, as the underdog, pull something off here? Or is Katie Taylor a big favourite for you? Um, I think Katie Taylor will be the, the big favourite, won't she? She's um, been in some, some terrific fights and uh, she's always, uh, she's not, not say well hyped up, but she, she is, she is she, 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 she's a well-known name now and, and, and rightly so. She had some tremendous wins and put some tremendous performances. But the Tasha Jonas is, uh, again, Good Olympian, good solid boxer there, and uh, been under the guidance of Joe Gallagher for a number of years. So, I think this is is a big fight for her. It's a massive challenge for her. But these are the fights you want to be in. If she could knock Katie Taylor off, what what a great win that would be. So again, this is another one that's a mouthwatering clash, and 
It's a difficult one. I mean, you'd, you'd probably go with Katie Taylor, wouldn't you, just with the skills and the power that she possesses. But, you know, listening to Natasha Jonas a few weeks ago on the Sky Sports Bill, she looked in incredible shape and, and she's a very driven lady as well. And I'm sure she'll be, be going out there to cause maybe not an upset, maybe, you know, not for her anyway. She she definitely believes she can win this fight. So looking forward to it. I, I won't. I don't know. Is it a 50 50? It's another difficult one to call. It's a very intriguing one. You probably look at your bookmakers and say, Katie Taylor's just edging it as a slight favourite, but I think it'd be another fantastic clash. And moving down the card, Manchester's own Marcus Morrison has a mammoth task ahead of him as he takes on Chris Eubank Jr. Can our local lad pull this off, or is Chris Eubank Jr. going to get a knockout win and carry on towards another world title shot? This will be a very difficult fight for Marcus Morrison. There's no doubt about it. This is probably, well, Without a shadow of doubt, the, the the biggest challenge he's had of his his career so far. You know, he came into uh, into the division and, and and knocked everybody off in front of him and looked a real real star, didn't he? Under under Joe Gallagher there in that that great gym they've got and that defeat to Jason Wellborn a few years ago. Jason Wellborn, terrific fighter and a terrific warrior, but it was a surprise. I thought I thought Marcus Morrison would would win that fight and after that fight he had a couple of defeats as well. The loss to Alistair Warren was it was a massive shock for me, but since then he's. He's beat everybody in front of him and, and, and earned his shot at Chris Eubank Jr. So, yeah, it's the it's the biggest test he's had so far. Chris Eubank Jr. is 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 a level above I think anybody who's fought so far. And you know, Marcus Morris has got all the talent though. We saw that when he first come through, and he was being talked about that he'd be up there challenging for for European and, and world honours. And if he's to get back on track, this this is the sort of fight he needs. So, you know, at this this stage of his career now, he's still a relatively young man. If he can put Eubank away, then that's going to be, uh, you know, put him on the road of, of going to the goals that he wanted to get. But it's a, it's a mammoth task, as you say. Chris Eubank Jr. is a very spiteful fighter and a very tough fighter as well. So this this is going to be another good fight and, and one not to miss, definitely. I think Marcus Morrison has to be at his best to, to cause any sort of upset. And the last fight on the bill for us to analyse, Paul. Craig the Spider Richards of London is fighting for a world title in the light heavyweight division against Dmitry Bivol, the slick Russian fighter. I'll be honest with you, Paul, it could be a little bit of a stretch too far, this one for Richards. Does he have a chance in this one, or do you think Dmitry Bivol moves on to unifications? It's a very tough one. Very, very tough one. I mean, if you were a betting man, you'd be going with the favourite there, wouldn't you? But you've got to give the, the guy a chance hasn't he? he's got to go there and, and do his best and, and whatever he comes up with he comes up with but it, it does seem a bit of a I won't say a mismatch but it's going to be a very very tough contest for him but you know that's what boxing's all about you've got to test yourself haven't you he's two men at the end of the day so if he can get you know get anything from that fight I think it'll be a terrific result for him but another another intriguing one and a fantastic card this weekend it really is a great card on, on Sky Television it's one I'll hopefully be tuning into myself because uh, there's some real good matches ups there definitely you mentioned sky television there paul and i think it's the right time to ask you about this that their era covering boxing could well be coming to an end as eddie hearn has signed a deal with the zone to move all uk coverage over to that platform and away from sky who will only keep dillian white and anthony joshua is this good for the sport that seemingly there'll be no boxing at all on the regular sky sports package anymore uh, this was a bit of a debate i was having the other day um Speaking to to my wife about it, actually, my wife's a big boxing fan, and we was talking about the, the the fights this weekend, and I was having a bit of a moan saying, "Why is it on Sky Box Office? 
Um, again, you know, we've had a, a, a global pandemic. People have not got loads of money. You might be paying £60 a month for your, for your Sky package and then you've got to fork out another 20-odd quid to watch it, to watch boxing. So wouldn't it be nice if Eddie Hearn sort of said, well, we'll put this on and, and let everybody watch it. But it doesn't seem to be that way in boxing. It just seems to be, you know, let's make as much money as we can. And it's not a world title fight this weekend either. So it, it does seem a strange one to me. And I hope... If, if we do lose a lot of boxing off Sky Sports, that people still have access to it and they're not going to get charged the earth, you know, every time a big fight comes around. You know, I'd love to see boxing on terrestrial television and free to everybody to watch, particularly the big fights. You know, we're talking about Tyson Fury fighting Anthony Joshua. Why should people have to pay 20 or 30 quid to watch? It should be there to watch on, on the television. You want people to take up the sport, you know, let people watch it that's the only way the sport would ever grow if it's there for people to watch. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how things are going to go and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, but I just hope people don't get priced out of it. Most definitely. But one fight people can watch without paying for is on BT Sport, and that's Moretti Malarlin, one of the pound-for-pound greats, a South African fighter, has been a world champion for over 10 years, beating the likes of Zolani, Tete, John Real, Casemiro, and he finally gets a big fight this weekend against Britain's Sonny Edwards, who will be challenging for a world title for the first ever time. He's been doing really good things over on BT, of course, his brother being Charlie Edwards. He's looking to join his brother as a world champion. But Marth Arlen has been around for a very long time and has proven himself to be one of the greats in this division. Is this going to be a bridge too far for Edwards, or will he crown himself a world champion? Another difficult question for me. Um, you'd, again, you'd probably have to go with a favourite, but Sonny Edwards comes from a from a good stable there, doesn't he? Um, we, obviously, we've seen a lot of his brother, Charlie Edwards, and this is his chance now to, to make a name for himself and, and get that world title. So... I don't know. I, I like to back the underdog sometimes and I'd like to think he put a, a real good performance in. This could be a life-changing fight for him. So, yeah, it's probably easy to go with the favourite, the odds-on favourite. But, you know, I'm going to go go with, uh, with Sonny Edwards this week. I think he's got he's got a chance. And, um, you know, if the stars align and that and he can box well, you know, get behind that jab. He's, he's got a, a good chance of, of coming away with something. Most definitely. And in the co-main event, Michael Conlon is back in action against Ionette Baluta, somebody who's beaten David Joyce and TJ Dahoney. Is Michael Conlon ready to make a statement here before a world championship? Because it seems like it's been a very long time since the Olympics. And I think it's about time, you know, he, he kicks on now, he beats somebody like Baluta and he fights for a world title because he can't have too many more of these. No, no, he, he's had some, some good wins, hasn't he, so far? And, and... You know, it's, it's time probably stepped up at a level now. It really is, and you know, this is a chance now to to, to get to get through this one. And then you've got to start looking at, at big fights. So, uh, so yeah, once this one's over, now I think he's going to have to start challenging himself because it's going to get to that stage of his career where people will start asking those questions about how far you want to go. So, get through this one, and then the, the big fights have got to be there for him, definitely. And there's another big in at the weekend, Paul. There's Andy Ruiz Jr., the former unified heavyweight champion of the world, is back in action against Chris Ariola. And as we discussed last week, he's in fantastic shape. He's dropped several stone. He's really taken the sport of boxing seriously. He's training out there with Canelo Alvarez and Oscar Valdez and other great fighters like that. Do you think he does a job on Chris Ariola this weekend and shows that he really is someone to be messed with in this heavyweight division? Yes, I, I think I think he will do a job. Uh, Chris Ariolo is a big man, isn't he? A very experienced man as well. And I just think Andy Ruiz Jr. will will just have slightly too much for him. I mean, 
it's a funny one. I, I was in the gym the other day and a, a mate of mine said, oh, have a look at this on my phone. And he was showing me some pictures of, of Andy Ruiz Jr. What incredible shape he's in. And he, he looks he looks a lot younger since he, he shedded that weight and looks a lot a lot fitter as well. But you're just hoping with him dropping the weight that he's still got the power there. And I, I think he will have. I don't think he'll lose his power from that. And if he still possesses that, I mean, he's, he's a dangerous man, very dangerous man. So a quicker Andy Ruiz Jr. With, with still with the same amount of power, he's going to be very dangerous. And uh, and yes, I, I think he'll, he'll have a bit too much for, uh, for Chris Ariola. And sticking with the heavyweight division, Paul, we've been talking about it for months on end. The biggest fight in Australian heavyweight history is former NRL star Paul Gallen took on former world champion Lucas Big Daddy Brown. And we feared for Gallen. Maybe Lucas Brown had a little bit left to give. Maybe the power was going to be too much. But Paul Gallen shocked us all and absolutely dismantled the former world champion inside of just around. So my question for you is, Paul, just how good is Paul Gallen? Is he a fantastic fighter who's capable of going on to further heights? Or is Lucas Brown just way past that sell-by date? They say in the trade, the last thing to go is your power. And it seemed as if the power was gone. His right hands didn't seem to have anything on them. His punch resistance seemed to be completely gone. I mean, was it a bad performance from Brown or a great performance from Gallon? I think it was a bit of both. I think sometimes you've got to be careful. You're not too disrespectful to the guy that wins. And I think looking at Paul Gallon. You know, coming from his, his rugby league background, I think he's he's seems to have got better and better each time he's he's fought. I mean, I, I caught that that fight yesterday, and um, I thought it was a, a top performance for him. He, he came out, he, he just looked solid. He, he had a he had fantastic defence that he was behind. You know, the high guard, and he just looked to move really well. And, and Lucas Brown looked a bit lethargic to me, and. He was just trying to measure everything. He had that left hand in front of him there, just trying to measure up Paul Gallen. And Paul Gallen, you know, didn't really worry about that. I mean, he's measuring you up there for that big right hand, isn't he? But he didn't seem to worry about the power, Paul Gallen. He just he just took his chance. And I tell you what, when when he got his chance, he went for it like, you know, a bull to a red rag. He absolutely went for Lucas Brown there on, on a couple of occasions, didn't he? I mean, there was the first knockdown. Then after that, he smelt blood there and he absolutely went for him. And, you know, there'll be people in the heavyweight division, there'll be promoters there just sort of looking up there thinking, yeah, if he's got the ambition, Paul Gallon, to, to carry on, I mean, he's, he's sort of 39, 40 now, isn't he? So if he's got the ambition to, to carry on in the sport, there's probably a market there for him, especially in Australia. You know, we know they love the sport over there. And if we can get some big fights over there and perhaps get Paul Gallon over here challenging, I think it's a really, really exciting prospect. You know, although Lucas Brown's been a, been a terrific fighter, but as you said there, I felt a bit sorry for him. He just looked like he, you know, he'd aged overnight to me there. So I wouldn't say it was an awful performance for him, but Paul Gallen definitely boxed really well and, and, and deservedly, you know, blitzed him. I'm just thinking it must be very weird for you, Paul, because obviously you can remember Paul Gallen back in the heights of his rugby league career. And if somebody had told you he was going to take up boxing and beat a USC legend in Mark Conn and then beat a former world champion in Lucas Brown, would you believe he'd be that successful? No. No, because there's an awful lot of rugby league players that have, you know, I could probably list a, around a dozen that have, have turned their hand into to, to boxing over the last sort of 10, 15 years. And no, they've not all been successful. They're big men, aren't they? Big athletes. But so I like just being a big man and a big athlete and having plenty of power behind you. You've got to have that now, and you've got to have that. I don't know, it, it, being a boxer is different to being a rugby league player, isn't it? But Paul Gallon has got everything. He's got all the tools in his locker. He's got the courage. He's, he's, 
he's got that spitefulness as well and he's got the confidence and, and I thought he didn't look a bit out of place against Lucas Brown who as I said been a terrific fighter and he didn't look out of place against him at all and I think Paul Gallon if he's, if he's got the hunger and, and the desire to carry on moving forward there could be some fantastic nights for him in boxing as well. He's had a terrific rugby league career, but why not? You know, have an Indian summer as a, as a boxer now. He, he certainly got the dedication, and I, I think he'll do well. And a couple of fights being rumoured for Paul Gallen is, you know, Jake Paul, the YouTuber, another crossover star there, and another rugby league player, Sonny Bill Williams. Do either of those two fights appeal to you, Paul? Yeah, I think that, that Jake Paul does. I think he's. Uh, I've watched a bit of him recently. Now you've you've sort of uh, got me interested in there. I watched uh, some of his press conferences and a few other of his fights, and uh, yeah, he's he's a bit of a bit of a big mouth, him, isn't he? I think I'd like that Paul Gallant to get in there with him. And obviously, he said the Sunday Bill Williams fight there. He's one of the rugby league players I was alluding to before. He's been a, another fantastic rugby league career, who's, and he's had a couple of fights as well. And um, I think he fought, did he fight John Hopoati recently or, or not so long ago? So so that'd be a good one. But either of those two guys, I mean, take them both on. Why not take both of them? Uh, yeah, there's some exciting fights out there for him. And I think it's great. I mean, we've seen it over in this country, haven't we? We've had uh, guys from football. We've had a number of footballers. That have, they've gone over and had real, real good careers in boxing. And uh, I think if you've got the dedication and you, you're willing to do your training and you're willing to learn, you, you can get into the sport and do well. And moving away from Paul Gallen and back on to Lucas Brown, he's somebody who, you know, has had a fantastic career winning a world championship in Russia against Ruslan Shagev, albeit he didn't get to celebrate that one. But it seems as if the tank is well and truly empty. I mean, after the Dillian White fight, he seemed to have a little bit left when he fought Dave Allen and he did well for a couple of rounds before ultimately catching a body shot and going down. But it seemed on Wednesday night, against Paul Gallen, the power wasn't there, the the accuracy wasn't there, the movement wasn't there, his, his durability, which he always had throughout his career, just seemed completely gone, and he's claiming that he wants to carry on fighting, but for me, Paul, does somebody need to have a word with Lucas, because this sport is an extremely dangerous one, and he can end up getting hurt, because he's never been somebody who promoters have looked after, so he's always going to be the opponent, and if he's going to have to go into, into fights with these young guns, he could get seriously hurt. Well, yeah, if you look through his career, he's been... A- He's he's probably not the. He's, I don't want to be disrespectful, but he's not the he's not the greatest fighter in the world. But he's been with some tremendous opponents, hasn't he? But you know the bravery of the guy. He'll never duck any of them because that's the sort of fighter he is. He wants to get in there and get involved, and you know he is a fighter. And you try to learn a fighter that that your career is over. It must be must be awful, you know, being that trainer or being that guy that has to say to your fighter, look. It's time now that you, you, you hung your gloves up. And we, we spoke about Dave Allen recently, about him, you know, a possible comeback. So perhaps Lucas Brown does need a bit of time away from it now. Sometimes it's hard to make that decision straight after a fight. You need to take stock and get back in the gym, speak to your coaches, speak to the people around you, the people that you trust, and, um, you know, do the sensible thing. But it, it must be very hard for boxers. It's something that you've done for an awful long time. It's, it's your livelihood. It's what you do to earn money and, and, and put food on the table for your family. So... Difficult decision for him, and I always feel sad when I see fighters at the end of their career. I mean, one recently for me was the Martin Murray fight when I when I saw him fight, and you, you can tell when a fight is coming to the end, and it's upsetting sometimes because that that person's given everything to the sport, and um, you know you you want them to carry on forever sometimes, don't you? So yeah, Lucas Brown needs to sit down with his with his team now and decides what's best. And something I've seen a lot of over the past couple of days, uh, Paul, and this refers to you know the recent bouts involving Jake Paul and Paul Gallen. Is people claiming those fights were fixed, that Lucas Brown and Ben Askin both took dives respectively. Uh, but for me, 
I feel like they were just on the ends of good right hands and they ended up just just losing. Do you think people, you know, dislike Gallon and Paul because of the crossover element and they're just looking for any excuse to maybe slight them and not give them credit for their wins? Yeah, I suppose you could say that in any sport, can't you? You could say it in football, you could say it in, I don't know, whatever whatever sport you want to say it in, that people have done this and they've, they've done that, and they've chucked this and they've chucked that. You could always go around and say that. There's always some sort of conspiracy there. I think sometimes you've got to look at things and, and, and sort of praise people when they've done well. You know, Paul Gallen's done well there. He's, he's not just come into boxing and, and had it had it given to him. He's not had that win against Lucas Brown given to him. He's had to work hard for it. If you sort of spent the last three months with, with Paul Gallen in his training camp and see what he's been up to and, and how, what he's sacrificed and how hard he's worked, I think sometimes people don't realise how hard boxers actually work, you know, what, what they put themselves through. It's not easy, not easy at all. It's, it's a very, very brutal sport. It's not a team sport where you can rely on, you know, your teammate. You can sort of coast it out on the wing and not bother doing anything for that, that game. Boxing, you're in there on your own and, you, you know, you make the mistakes and you don't put the effort in. You know, that, that ring with them lights on you, 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 once you're in there, there's no one in there to save you. So, uh, so sometimes I, I think people should should give these athletes a, a bit more respect. Most definitely, somebody who's been receiving a lot of respect this week is Ryan Garcia. Of course, he beat Britain's own Luke Campbell in his last fight, and it looked like he was moving on towards a world title shot. He had a fight booked with Javier Fortuna, but he's pulled out of that one, claiming that he's struggling badly with his mental health, and the boxing community has given him an outpour of support to help him through this period of time. And you think it's good that the whole community's come together to support him whilst he struggles with this? Because often a mental health issue can be just as debilitating as, you know, a physical injury. Yeah, sometimes it can be worse as well. So, so yeah, it's good to, to see that because he, he's a terrific fighter. And if he is going through a bit of a, a difficult time, he'll need that time to, to, to recuperate. But, uh, but yeah, good to see that they're getting behind that and, and giving him a chance. Because I think sometimes with, with mental, mental health and mental illnesses, you know, because it's not something physical that we can actually see, you, you, you sort of forget about it. So, uh, so yeah, and, and the, as I said before, these boxers, they, they sacrifice an all, awful lot of things, don't they? And, you know, sometimes you're in a camp, it's, it's a lonely camp and that, and perhaps you just need that, that bit of time, that bit of time off, that bit of time to recuperate, that bit of time to see your family, get your mental state right. So, uh, so yeah, good to see that the boxing community's got around him. And now we're on to the card that Frank Warren had on Saturday night, which was headlined by Denzel Bentley and Felix Cash. And I think we both felt that this was going to be a real good domestic bust-up, but it was anything but really, because Felix Cash absolutely dismantled Denzel Bentley and now there's cries for him to step up and fight the Liam Williamses of this world just how good is Felix Cash because he's looking incredible at the moment yeah very very impressed with him uh, I've been impressed with him and you know his recent fights you know leading up to this one uh, with, with Denzel Bentley he's a, a very spiteful fighter and he beat two fighters in his last couple of fights who, who I'm big favourites of you know Jason Wellborn I think has been a real real rugged tough fighter as I mentioned before Jack Cullen as well he beat both those guys and, and, and dismantled them two really in two, two vicious knockouts but then his knockout against Denzel Bentley I mean it was no, Denzel was in two two big fights with with Mark Efron, the, obviously the draw, and then and then he, he sort of put put Efron away really very very impressively uh, last year, and then coming into this fight against Felix Cash, I, I I thought it was a was a pretty pretty close one really, but but Cash showed all his quality and his as I said his spitefulness and his speed and and made and made light work of him really. So so yeah, you just mentioned there the Liam Williams fight. That's a big step up, massive step up for, for Felix Cash. We know all about Liam Williams. He's a, he's in a he's a world level fighter now. So uh, but you've got to test yourself and he's he's probably earned himself that chance now with with the, with the fights that he's had recently. 
Most definitely. And someone else who may well get another shot at a world title is Callum Johnson. He was back in the ring after two years. He was wobbled early by Emil Markic, but he managed to recuperate and show just how much power he has en route to a second round stoppage. And the fact that he's now being linked with is Joe Smith Jr., the working class man who became world champion a couple of weeks ago. What did you make of the performance? And is Callum Johnson versus Joe Smith a fantastic fight for the future? Yeah, he's, a, he's funny. You, you, we were talking about Callum Johnson there. He's become like the forgotten man of, um, of British boxing, really. We haven't seen him for a, for a couple of years. And, you know, he come up on the rails, had some some terrific rings, didn't he? I mean, the Frank the only fight is one that I remember uh, very fondly. I, I mean, I like Frank, but I thought uh, Callum did a, a terrific job on him that night. So, so yeah, a, a good win for him at, at the weekend just gone. And, yeah, I think he deserves those, those tests now. You know, he's a terrific, uh, terrific fighter in that light heavyweight division. So, so yeah, I'd like to see him do really well. And um, he's always an entertaining fighter, always a tough fighter as well. And uh, yeah, he's got some, he's got some big nights ahead of him now. And uh, as I said, but the, the forgotten man of boxing has, has, has bounced back there with a good result. And there was a clash on the undercar between David Adelaide and Kamil Sokolowski. Adelaide being Frank Warren's unbeaten heavyweight, he was seemingly beaten quite handily by the pole, Kamil Sokolowski. But unfortunately, Sokolowski was on the end of a bad decision. We see them week in, week out. And the pole, you know, has had some good wins over great prospects, like of AJ Carter, Naylor Ball, etc. Nick Webb as well. And he should really have wins over the likes of Lucas Brown and David Price as well, who most people felt were victims to Sokolowski. And he was robbed those nights. He's been robbed again now against David Adelaide. And it feels like he's a much better fighter than his record produced. Yeah, I think so. I think so. If you do look at his record, he's had some quite a few defeats on there, hasn't he? So, uh, so yeah. Sometimes you don't get the the decisions that that, that you deserve, do you? But uh, but yeah, it was a difficult one to say, Rob. But yeah, it's probably probably the right thing to say, really. So yeah, disappointing for him, and uh, let's hope he can re- rebuild and, and come again. Because sometimes it's difficult. Boxers don't always get what they deserve, and I don't think he got what he deserved at the weekend. And the last one of the day for you, Paul, Manny Pacquiao versus Terence Crawford. For ages, we've been saying Terence Crawford needs this big fight. And over and over again, he's been on the cusp of them and have not quite happened. And I asked you a few weeks ago, did you think he was finally going to get this big fight against Manny Pacquiao? It was seemingly done and dusted, contracts ready to be signed. I asked you, did you think it had happened? And you said no. And it seems as if you were correct because the fight has fallen through once again. Terence Crawford just seems to be in no man's land at the moment, doesn't he? He certainly does. It certainly does, and I feel sorry for him. Really, I mean, he, he really wanted that fight. I was chatting to a friend of mine, as I said before, in the, in the gym yesterday. We was talking about uh, about Conor Ben and, and would he fight um, Amir Khan? And a friend of mine was saying, "No, I think Amir Khan's waiting out for this this Manny Pacquiao fight." So, it is is that the fight that the road that Manny Pacquiao is going to take? Um, I just feel sorry for Terence Crawford because I think he, he deserved that chance. So. Let's hope he gets fixed up with something because he's a terrific fighter, and you know, must be difficult when you think something's something's nailed on and something's going to happen against you know a great fighter like Pacquiao. That that'd be something you know tremendous for, for Crawford's legacy and his record if he could get that that fight and get that win. So, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of politics in boxing. Sometimes you think something's signed, sealed, and delivered, and then um, it just falls through. Yeah, and that's all the boxing we have time for today. But and I'll throw you back to you, Paul, for the ice hockey. Yes, uh, yes, Rob. We've got quite a bit of ice hockey to talk about this week, haven't we? With uh, with Manchester Storm, there's been some exciting news that they picked their stars have been picked for the the GB for the European Championships. Can you tell us a bit about that, Rob? 
Yeah, the European European Championships in is in Latvia uh, next month, Paul. Pete Russell, which is the Great Britain coach, has picked 28 players in a squad to travel over to Latvia. In Great Britain's squad, you've got uh, in their league, Group A, sorry, is Russia, Slovakia, Denmark, Sweden, Czech Republic and Switzerland. Some good good teams in that group. Great Britain will have to be at the best to get through uh, there, I feel. But Manchester have been uh, very rep- well represented in that squad. Uh, Dallas Earhart, uh, the defender, the captain, the leader of uh, Manchester Storm has been picked by the uh, the Great Britain squad. Ben Lake, who's a forward, he's a good player. He knows where the goal is for, for Manchester Storm. Ben Davis, uh, a defender brought in uh, for the Elite League. He scored an overtime winner against France in 2019 to avoid relegation for Great Britain. So he'll be he'll be an important player for Great Britain, I think, in the tournament. And finally, Kieran Long, who's a really good goal scorer for Manchester Storm. He's been representing Great Britain in under-18s and under-20s as well. And he's a prolific goal scorer, like I said. So I think he'll be important on the ice in the championships to come. Hopefully, Great Britain can uh, can secure a few wins and uh, put, us in, put us in a good position in the uh, in the European Championships to come. On the ice, Rob, it's becoming like the business end of the season now. Big question for you. Will Storm win it? Yeah, it's going to be certainly interesting. Uh, they've got a big weekend ahead in the playoffs. Are they going to get a semi-final against Sheffield? Um, either game will be fantastic for the fans, obviously. They've got some good players in that Storm squad and anything can happen in a, in a playoff, fi- playoff quarter-final or, or a semi-final. So hopefully Manchester Storm can come away with a win. Yeah, well, this show is running at break. Next, B, what's up next on the Sports Zone? Up next on the Sports Zone, we've got UFC. We're going to talk UFC 261. That took place on Saturday night. And welcome fans back to the Octagon. The welterweight world championship was on the line and there was a stunning knockout, James. Yeah, and there most certainly was. Kamaro, the Nigerian nightmare, Usman, absolutely rocked Jorge Masvidal to his core in a stunning second round knockout. And... Usman's just gone from strength to strength in his last few fights. And his last bout with Masvidal, it went the distance. This time around, he wanted nothing of the sort. He wanted to put a pin and an end to the rivalry with Street Jesus. And he knocked him out in crushing fashion and well and truly rubber-stamped the rivalry. I mean, Masvidal is somebody who's been notoriously durable throughout his entire career. And Usman absolutely thumped him home with a massive right hand. For me, Rob... He's one of the very best in this sport now when he's going from heights to heights. Is the Usman the best fighter in the world right now? For me, after that victory against Jorge Masvidal, that crushing knockout blow, he's the best pound-for-pound fighter on the planet right now. John Jones can't live off his accomplishments of 10 years ago. Khabib Magomedov is retired. For me, Kamara Usman is the only man that can lay claim to that pound-for-pound number one title. And look at his resume, Rob. He's beat the likes of Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, Gilbert Burns, Rafael Dos Anjos, Damian Maia, Tyron Woodley. He's absolutely beaten everyone. And he may well be the best pound-for-pound star on the planet right now, but it won't be long until he's mentioned him amongst the greatest pound-for-pound stars who's ever lived. He's that good, Rob. Tell us about the undercard, James. Oh, there was a cracking undercard. Rose Namajunas became the world's strawweight champion after a crushing high kick to knock out Willie Zhang to reclaim her belt. Valentina Shevchenko retained her championship with a massive knockout against Jessica Andrade, and she may well be back in the octagon soon, challenging Amanda Nunes once again. And there was a terrible injury, Rob, maybe the worst I've ever seen. It's Chris Wyman broke his leg after a kick was blocked by Uriah Hall, and... 
I'll be honest, Rob, I don't think I've ever seen an injury quite so bad in sports. It's USC is is a ton- contact sport, James, and they you know they certainly lay into each other, don't they? Almost certainly, Rob. But that that no that blow, that kick, that leg break is one of the worst I have ever seen, Rob. I've never seen a leg go so badly. It honestly did. It was absolutely abhorrent. It made you sick, Rob. It's a it's a big thing in USC, but it's loads and loads to go on. On the sports zone now, let's move on to football, James. Let's talk Man City in the EFL uh, Cup. They beat Spurs 1-0. Good win uh, for Pep Guardiola's men. Most certainly. It's a fantastic win for them and they'll be absolutely buzzing with that one. There's nothing like winning in tournament format and they'll be absolutely thrilled to have won this one, won't they, Rob? Yeah, fourth time in succession that they've won it, uh, James. Guardiola building this legacy at Manchester City. You know, there's winning culture and it helps when you win the EFL. Absolutely. I mean, it's a great competition to win and Manchester City needed that, didn't they? After all the negative attention they've garnered from the Super League, they needed a big win. And they're happy they've got that. The Tottenham Hotspur fans will be absolutely furious that they haven't. But I think we need to break this down a little bit more, Rob. What do you make of everything that's gone on with the Super League? This time last week, we were talking about saying, look, it was looking like it was going to happen. Now it's not. What do you make of everything? It's it's a it's a big thing in, in the world of football. It seemed everyone jumped on the bandwagon. The uh, the FIFA, the Premier League, the government, everyone jumped on it. Um, and the Super League sort of collapsed like like a pack of cards, didn't it? For for me though, I don't think it's over. I think they'll come back, come again. I really do. I think these chairmen and these owners, of these clubs, it's all about the big money for them, James. And yeah. At this moment, there's a lot of negativity about it, but they—I don't think they'll—they'll they'll put this to bed. I think they'll be coming back, uh, not tomorrow, not not next week, but they will come again. And, and I feel that we need to be ready. One million percent, Rob. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Now, I mean, these people are greedy. They don't care about the fans. They're desperate to make this European Super League to just finance their businesses, to keep going, to keep building money. And it's just simple. It's one word. It's greed. But luckily, the fans of football in this country and indeed abroad are absolutely amazing. Everybody stood up for what they believed and said, no, we don't want this. All the players were furious. Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, drumming the drum on Sky Sports, saying this is absolutely disgusting. All the pressure that was being put on the players, UEFA hated it, the government were getting involved. Everybody said, no, we are not getting involved in this. We do not want to ruin the football pyramid. We don't want to belittle what we fought for for, you know, a hundred and something odd years where the league system matters, where you rock up on a Saturday wanting to win the Premier League. Championship clubs absolutely desperate to get promoted to the Premier League. We all love watching football. It was going to be absolutely ruined right in front of our eyes, but together we stood up and we beat this. But, Rob, I think you're right. I think it's going to come back again and we're going to have to be prepared. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be certainly a battle uh, to come, James. Uh, talking about battles to come, Man City are in the, uh, the Champions League semi-final against PSG and United are in the semi-final against Roma. Two big games for our local sides. Uh, most certainly, Rob. They've both got very tough games and PSG a very popular side at the moment for turning down the European Super League, so, you know, maybe a lot of people will be supporting them, but they're a very tough team to beat, aren't they? And do we fancy Manchester City to win this one? With all the stick they've gone for at the moment, with all the pressure that's on them to win the Champions League, I feel like PSG may be slight favourites in this one. They've got the home advantage, and I feel it's time for PSG to strike while the iron's hot and to get a win. As for Manchester United, Roma, a very tough side to beat. They always have been, haven't they? But I still feel that maybe they can get the job done. 
yeah, it's going to be interesting. Both our sides going for the big European competitions. It's great that hopefully we'll, we'll be able to take them both back home to Manchester uh, and the us in Salford can celebrate that. We've got a minute to go, James. So talking about Salford, let's talk about Salford City. Two wins from two for them this weekend. They beat Walsall 2-0. They beat Mansfield 2-0. Great victory for, for Salford City FC. Yeah, they've been putting on very good performances, haven't they, as of late? And I was, you know, number one person slating Salford City, saying that they weren't playing well enough for a very long duration of this season, but they've completely turned it around now. They've put a good run of fixtures together and they just seem to be winning, winning, winning. Now they're two points off the playoff, Rob. And, you know, the optimist in me wants to say that they're going to make it. And that's what it's all about, James. We've obviously 40 seconds to go. You've got to start dreaming. You've got to start dreaming for Salford. They're on this run, James. Who knows what might happen? Who knows, Rob? Maybe they end up in League One. Maybe they don't. But this fairy tale story isn't coming to an end anytime soon by the look of it. And I believe that they can make this playoffs. If they continue the run of form they're on at the moment, Rob, they're going to do it. Yeah, it's super exciting. Um, I'm sure the people down there at Salford, they've gone through a lot of a lot of uh, incidents this season with a new coach winning the cup final. It, it's all magical moments, really. Obviously, the coach disappearing, new coach coming in. It's it's all the all go uh, watching uh, Salford City FC, and, and that's why we follow them on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. Big thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. <laughs>